Hey everyone, and welcome to another Overflow Pod. One of the most popular questions of life is how can I be happy? Or how do I maintain happiness throughout my life? Solomon asked the question about 3,000 years ago. He says, though a man lives a thousand years twice over, but doesn't find contentment, what's the use? What does it matter how long I live if I don't enjoy life while I'm living? So Solomon began a lifelong search for satisfaction. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 1 says, he says, I decided to enjoy myself and find out what happiness is. Solomon was uniquely qualified for this search for happiness. The Bible says he was the wisest man who ever lived. Not only that, but he was also the wealthiest man who ever lived. He had both the brains and the cash to do his research and to try to find out everything and figure out what would make him happy. He was a king, so he had lots of free time. He accomplished more with his life than most of us could ever dream of. So he said, I'm going to take this seriously, and I'm going to take both my mind and my money and discover what it is that makes people happy. So Ecclesiastes chapter 2, it says he searched out five different things. He said, I tried education, pleasure, achievement, wealth, success. And he said that the bottom line was that none of them ultimately satisfied. He's not saying that these are wrong things. They're not wrong at all, but these are not the source of lasting happiness. So he goes through education. He says, I thought if I knew more, I would enjoy life more. I became better educated than any king before me. But the more my wisdom grew, the more my grief. I studied and learned all these things, but I discovered that the more I learned, the more I realized I didn't know. Isn't that the truth? The more education I got just increased my number of questions. It didn't ultimately satisfy me. Pleasure. He goes, oh, I, I tasted pleasure. The first thing I tried was laughter. I'll hang out at all the comedy clubs. I'm going to watch improv. I'm going to tell jokes. I have a lot of comedy in my life and laughter to cheer me up. I believe in laughter. If you don't have a sense of humor, I'm going to worry about you. Seriously. And we know God laughs. He has a sense of humor. But in our society, we have a lot of laughter without happiness. Laughter doesn't last. It's usually a temporary lift, a momentary relief. A lot of times laughter just masks the real problem and it certainly isn't the ultimate purpose in life. In fact, I've read and heard from comedians and them themselves that they are some of the saddest people you will ever meet because they go through tremendous pain and suffering, and then they mask it with comedy. Then he tried wine. Solomon said, I tried cheering myself up with wine, the oldest mood-enhancing drug in the world. I'll go to parties, one from the next. I'll become a wine connoisseur. Maybe that'll make me happy. I think it's ironic that when the most unhappy people you ever meet in life are the ones at happy hour. <laughs> then he tried good times. I became a party animal. I'm going to go out and have fun, fun, fun. He went from one party to the next, but nothing lasted. The social scene didn't satisfy him. Then he said, I tried sexual escapades. I bought a harem. The Good News translation says, I had all the woman a man could want and then some. The Bible tells us that Solomon, as a king of Israel, he had 700 wives and 300 paid mistresses. And I guess those are just the ones on the staff. Who knows if anybody else caught his eye. 
How could he please a thousand women? Man, that was polygamy to an extreme. That was a harem. Solomon is saying that if you think you having an affair or multiple partners is going to satisfy you, you got another thing coming. You'll find the emptiness increases the number as the number goes up. Solomon denied himself nothing. He refused his heart no pleasure. He said he took life to the limit and indulged in everything. If it felt good, he did it. And he wanted more. And he did some more. But his bottom line was that pleasure promises more than it can deliver. It's only momentary. It accomplishes nothing long-lasting. It doesn't last and it ultimately left him bored. The most bored people I know are people who live for pleasure. They can afford anything they want to. If they're still bored, they're still looking for the next thing because it doesn't satisfy no matter how much they have. If you make pleasure the goal of your life, you'll eventually become a hypocrite. You can't be in pleasure all the time, so you start pretending you are. Then he tried work, achievement. He said, I'll just immense myself in work. I'll try to find fulfillment by... He inaugurated a great public works program, homes, gardens, parks, reservoirs. But he turned in despair from the hard work is his answer for satisfaction. Solomon said, I, I just built a great empire. I created great projects and great cities. Solomon's public works are still famous. You can still go to architectural digs and find them. He built a great society and hoped satisfaction in working hard. But satisfaction isn't found in workaholism. Solomon said, I can work and work and work, but what's the use? He tried money. Solomon said, I own more livestock than anyone else. I piled up silver and gold. In the arts, he organized men's and women's choirs and orchestras. He became the wealthiest man who ever lived. And he said, I thought if I just got enough money and collected enough things, then I'll be happy. He had everything money could buy, but he writes, it was meaningless. He wasn't satisfied. He said he took his money and became a patron of the arts. He organized the choir and orchestras to play in his bedroom. How big was his bedroom? I can't imagine how big his bed was for multiple reasons there. And the Bible says it took him 14 years to build his house. 14 years to build a house and you know he had unlimited labor? Whoa. The daily provision of food required by his household. It says in 1 Kings chapter 4, it took 30 cattle and 100 sheep to be slaughtered every day. Do you know how much a cow is? How big a cow is? In addition to 100 sheep? Holy moly. That's a lot of lamb chops, which is one of my favorite foods. Man, that would be awesome. Anyway, he was an enormously extravagant man. He had far more money than we can imagine. Yet, it proved meaningless because you always want more. He tried success. He became famous. He writes, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me, yet when I surveyed all I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless under the sun. Solomon was all the top at the ladder. He was the pinnacle of success. He was the undisputed leader of the most influential nation at the time. He's Bezos, Musk, Gates, Buffett, all rolled up into one. His empire stretched all over the world and he was famous. He was successful in everything he did. Everything he touched worked out, but he was still unsatisfied. So what do you do when everything you've ever wanted is not enough? Well, you get the st- makings of a midlife crisis. 
There are two ways to have a midlife crisis. One way is to get to the middle age and realize you have unfulfilled dreams. Know that you're probably not going to get to see those things fulfilled and you get frustrated because you didn't become or fulfill what you thought you would. The other way is to get to midlife and find that everything you ever wanted, you achieved. Now, what are you supposed to do with the rest of your life? That was Solomon's predicament. He got it all, tried it all, spent it all, but was unsatisfied. So why is this book of Solomon's in the the Bible? Why is Ecclesiastes there? I think God is trying to teach us here that there are some dead ends that we can avoid if we just read this book. Save your time, save your money. It's not found in those things. We tend to overestimate things we haven't experienced yet. And Solomon comes to the conclusion in Ecclesiastes 2 verse 17, he says, so I hated life. Solomon was fed up and frustrated. One of my favorite bands, Queen, the front man is Freddie Mercury, probably the greatest singing front man ever in rock and roll. He was amazing at what he could do with a crowd. And at the height of the career, his career, he wrote these words. What is there left for me to do in this life? Did I achieve what I set in my sights? Am I a happy man or is this sinking sand? Was it worth it? A little while later, after he wrote that, he, he sadly died of AIDS. Solomon says he tried education, pleasure, achievement, wealth, success. These are the five things we spend the most of our lives trying to achieve. And he says happiness wasn't found there. See, they're not just, they're not bad things. They just don't permanently satisfy. If those things don't bring happiness, what does? Now, I spent so much time talking about what doesn't bring happiness because those are the things that we constantly think bring happiness. And so I wanted to show you that, hey, Solomon, he already did this. So we can stop trying now. It doesn't work. Let's go to what brings us happiness. And you know what brings us happiness? Jesus shares it with his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. He starts off the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6 with eight Beatitudes. That's what the original King James called it. What the heck does a Beatitude mean? Later on, it's, it's referred to as blessings. You know what? If you look at it in modern language, you could say, you could call it, these are the eight secrets of happiness. Blessed are they. Happy are they. He's saying these eight things that you got to do if you want to be happy. If you want to get it, keep it, maintain it your whole life. So let's go through these eight because they are way more important than what we showed to you before because they will permanently make you happy. Number one, get to know God. Matthew 6, 3. Happy are those who know their need is for God. The first step toward happiness is recognize what your real hunger is. The ache in your heart, what is missing is God. If anything but God is at the center of your life, you're not going to be satisfied. Because we're spiritual beings. We have a soul. You're not just a piece of flesh. You're not an accident. Famous philosopher Blaise Pascal said, God created a God-shaped vacuum in your heart. And when you try to fill that emptiness with anything but God, it's like trying to put a square in a round hole. It doesn't fit. So what you're really searching for in life, you're searching for is God. When he's at the center of your life, you're unsatisfied. Early church historian and theologian Augustine said, if I can quote this in old King James language, thou, O Lord, hast made us for thyself, 
and our hearts are restless until they find themselves in thee. <laughs> See, you are made to know God, and your greatest need is to know him. And the sooner you figure that out, the easier your life is going to be. Then you can stop trying to find replacements, plastic substitutes for the real thing. Because plastic substitutes never taste as good. One of the things I absolutely can't stand in life, okay, total tangent here. You ever you ever have, uh, what is that cheese called? Um, the uh, yellow fake Velveeta cheese. It's plastic cheese. It's not real cheese. It's just chemicals colored to make it look like cheese. It's disgusting. And if you've ever melt real cheese and put it next to it, you're like, oh my gosh, how could I ever like plastic cheese versus the real cheese? Anyway, total tangent there. I just hate that stuff. Don't get stuck on a plastic substitute. Find the real thing. Second, trust God when life is disappointing. Happy are those who mourn. God will comfort them. See, we stick with the blessed there. You don't get the full drift of, you can be happy even when mourning. See, life is a combination of pleasure and pain. Life is not all fun and games. Oh, no. You know that from personal experience. There's heartache. And if you have to live problem-free in life in order to be happy, you will never be happy. It's just the way it is. If you're dependent upon circumstances to make you happy, you're going to be miserable. You have to be learned to be happy in the problem, in the situation. Maybe while you're unemployed, during the difficulty, during whatever trial you go through, while you're sick. A lot of life isn't fun and games. What do you do when you're hurting? Well, you let God handle the hurts. No matter what you're going through, you're not alone. God is with you. And you can let him handle your hurts. You trust him when life is disappointing. And that will help you to be happy even when things aren't all the way you want them to be. Third secret in the next verse. Expect God to meet my needs. Happy are those who claim nothing for the whole earth belongs to them. Rather than frantically grabbing all you can, relax. Let God take care of your needs. Because the whole world belongs to God. Learn to become a giver, not a taker. Trust God and expect him to meet all your needs. Ecclesiastes 2 shows the futility of trying to be happy without God in your life. The first 11 verses of Ecclesiastes 2 uses my, mine, myself, or I 34 times. He's talking about his success, my happiness, my strength, my harem, my money, my pleasure, my success, my education. It's incredibly self-centered. But here, self-centered people are never happy. Because if you're self-centered... You're absorbed. You're only thinking about yourself. And the biggest thing you're living for is you. And you're no fun to live with. You're miserable. You've got to learn to trust God and don't be selfish and self-centered. Because the more self-centered you are, the more dissatisfied you are. And the more you lack self-fulfillment. Four, follow God's instructions. Next verse, verse six. Happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. God will satisfy them fully. If you do what God tells you to do, you're going to be satisfied fully. The fact is God wants you to enjoy life, not just endure it. In Timothy, it says God has richly given us everything for our enjoyment. So he wants you to live and not just exist. So he's created certain principles that are there for your own benefit. And when you follow these principles, you benefit. When you ignore them, you get hurt. Every principle or rule or command is there for your benefit. The closer you follow to these, the happier your life's going to be. The more you ignore them, 
the more headaches. You'll find yourself bouncing up into brick walls, facing burnout, anxiety, despair, tension, and distress. Because you're not living the way God meant for you to live. So when in doubt, consult the owner's manual. God's Bible. He made it for you. Can you imagine if a train thought this? These stupid tracks, they're so confining. I can only go where they want me to go. Man, I want to be free. I want freedom. I think I'll just jump off these tracks. So so the train jumps off the tracks, crashes, can't move. The coal lights on fire, burns. I've made many mistakes in my life, but if I could do it all over again, there's two things I would never change. One is I would never change picking my wife. She's perfect. Now, and the reason why I picked her because I felt that God led her to me. And ultimately, she was not what I desired. She did not have the appearance of any of my previous girlfriends. And all my girlfriends had a certain aesthetic. They were short, blonde-haired. And this girl was tall and brunette. (laughs) And she was so different. She had different personality, different everything. And I was like, God, I don't like this girl. And I, I prayed and I wrote in a journal to bring her away from me, but he didn't. And I was like, okay, God, I'm going to give it a shot because you want me to. And it was the smartest move I ever made. Trust God to bring the people into your life. Don't trust in your own understanding. I followed his instructions. Second thing is when we did get married, we instituted some rules in his book about what to do. How am I supposed to treat her? How am I supposed to apologize? And stuff like that. Never to retain anger. And you know what? There's been 25 years of pure happiness because of following God's instructions. I wouldn't change that for anything. You'd be amazed at how if we simply follow God's instruction, you head off so many difficulties in life and happiness comes. Number five, cultivate a forgiving heart. One of the two great destroyers of happiness is bitterness or resentment. You can't be resentful and happy at the same time. The fact is, in life, you're going to get hurt. And there's going to be people who hurt you. And sometimes they do it on purpose, intentionally. Sometimes unintentionally. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you got hurt and what is your response to it? If you choose to be filled with bitterness or resentment and you hold on to the grudge against people who hurt you, then ultimately, you're only hurting yourself. So you can't be resentful and bitter and happy at the same time. Because when you're resentful against someone because of what they did to you, you could be totally oblivious of the fact that it's hurting you. Jesus says, for your own sake, learn to cultivate a forgiving heart. Some of you are allowing people who hurt you in the past to continue hurting you. Maybe it was from 10, 20, 30, even 40 years ago, and you're still holding on to the pain. While you're holding on to the pain, you can't be happy. So get some help. Get some counseling. Work through it so you can learn to release the anger and the resentment and the bitterness that you have so that when the memories come up, you don't have those nasty thoughts and feelings. They don't hurt anymore. The other great destroyer of happiness is guilt, which leads us to number six. Maintain a clear conscience. Happy are the pure in heart, for they will see God. See, guilt destroys happiness. You have the fear of getting caught. The happiest people are those who live with integrity. They're transparent. See what you get? One of the benefits of having integrity is that you have a short memory. You don't have to remember who you told what to because you didn't lie to them. You just told the truth. If you want to be happy, live with integrity. Be pure in heart. Live guilt-free. 
It's one of the reasons Jesus came to earth. He died on the cross for you so that you could be forgiven. Let him wipe the slate clean so you can maintain a clear conscience. Start over. And then when you sin, you confess your sin to God and immediate forgiveness follows. That's the great thing. Maintain a clear conscience because if you're a Christian, there should be no more guilt because Jesus removed it all. So why are you feeling guilty? It destroys your happiness and it limits everything in life. Seven, secret. Build healthy relationship. Happy are the peacemakers. Conflict destroys happiness too. So you got to build relationships. How many people do you know who have built a great career but lost their marriage? Or made a lot of money but lost their kids? I don't care how much money you make or what you achieve or how much success you have or what career you have. If you don't have anyone to share it with, it's not fun. Maybe you've been on the fast tracks for so long, you don't know how to get off. You, you lost all your relationships because you're too busy. You're going to regret it one day. How many people in their older years think about, oh, if I only earn more money? No. They focus on the relationship. Oh, wish I cultivated them. It doesn't matter if everything else is going good in your life. If your relationships are bad, life stinks. And if you're unhappy, maybe you should do just some relational repair. Number eight, secret. Live with an eternal perspective. Don't just look at the here and now. Happy are those who are persecuted because they are good. A tremendous award awaits you in heaven. It doesn't say happy are those who are persecuted because they are obnoxious or jerks or religious fanatics and irritate everybody at work. No, 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 no. Doing the good thing, the right thing in life isn't easy. It's not always fun or enjoyable, but you're going to have eternity to enjoy the rewards. So when you have the choice between doing the convenient thing or the right thing, Doing the right thing may not be so pleasant in the moment, but ultimately in the long term, it's better. And the reward waiting for you is great. It's a matter of perspective. So you got to hold an eternal perspective. So you can even become a believer in Jesus, have him in your life, and still be just as miserable and unsatisfied as an unbeliever. If you buy into the wrong perspective, the happiness is found in education, pleasure, achievement, wealth, and success rather than the eight secrets that Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. If you don't have an eternal perspective, why do I do this? Why do I do the right thing? The other guy does the wrong thing, gets away with it. Why shouldn't I? He gets away with it now, but is he going to get away with it forever? Keep an eternal perspective. So what is it that you're waiting on, waiting for to start enjoying life? Some of you might be waiting on getting everything you've ever wanted and then you'll be happy. No, you won't. Waiting until you graduate something. No, you won't. Getting the job you always wanted. No. Meet just the right person until you achieve your goals and reach your dreams. Solomon said the wealthiest man who ever lived, the wisest man who ever lived, he said, I tried it all. I did it all. I had it all. I experienced it all. And it's not there. You don't find satisfaction ultimately in those things. So you're looking for satisfaction in all the wrong places. Happiness is not the result of circumstances. Happiness is a choice. It begins the moment you choose to say, first, I'm going to put God at the center of my life. and Then I'm going to start working on the other seven things. Following the principles he's told me. Trusting him when things aren't right. Expecting him to meet my needs. Keeping a clear conscience and a forgiving spirit. 
these will produce tremendous happiness in your life. Solomon says, let me save you some time. I've accomplished far more than you will ever dream of. I've had more money, more pleasure, more sexual relationship, more education than you will ever think of. And I didn't find it. So don't focus on those things, but rather on the eight blessings or Beatitudes or secrets to happiness in Matthew chapter six. And no matter what the situation, you can achieve lifelong happiness. Well, I hope that encourages you and see you in the next spot as we tackle why life isn't fair.